Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. I love Easter. A very special time of the year. How awesome is this? We can worship together. Last Easter, we were locked in our homes. And uh, even though we got masks on, today, I want to make sure you've got no masks over your heart or your mind. We've got physical masks on, but the Spirit of God wants to lift off any masks of unbelief, fear, shame, guilt off our minds and our hearts so we are free in the name of Jesus. And I share the Word of God. I'm going to believe for that to happen over our lives. Luke 24, Mary Lynn uh, shared the uh, resurrection story. I just want to read some of the verses out of Luke's version. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus' mother Mary. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. I want to let you know the stone's been rolled away. The stone of regret and shame has been rolled away from your life. Don't keep trying to roll it back in place. And it says they looked inside, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes shining like lightning. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. Put yourself in this, their shoes. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb or a cemetery? He's not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. All at once, they remembered his words. They've just witnessed the death, the, all the suffering, and as the angels refocused them back on Jesus' words. The Holy Spirit comes and reminds us and refocuses us on the words of life for us. That's why I love reading the Word. That's why I love worshiping and praying because He'll always refocus you on the truth that can set us free. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven and to all the others of what they'd seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense. Mate, what a bunch of great believers they were. And they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up, thank God for Peter, and ran the entire distance of the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away wondering what it meant. What an amazing, amazing day. And today there's still many people wondering, what's this about Jesus and Easter? They know it's more than Easter eggs and the Easter bunny or the Easter bilby or whatever else we think about. They, deep down people know there's more to it, but we've got to present that truth. On the calendar, Easter only comes once a year. But for Christians, Easter is every day of the year and every minute of every day because the truth of Easter lives in our hearts, that Jesus is alive and uh, it's like the kid went to school and they were talking about Easter and the teacher and the class weren't Christians 
But this little kid said, Jesus is alive. And the teacher said, well, how do you know? He said, well, I talked to him this morning. That's pretty hard to come back on, isn't it? When you know that he's alive. Easter Sunday, we celebrate the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's not just in spirit form. It was bodily resurrection. And it was a foundational truth of Christianity. If you look through the book of Acts, you see that they spoke often about the resurrection. Because in those days, there were thousands of people died on crosses. Sadly, it was a cruel time in history. Many criminals died on crosses. So Jesus dying on a cross was significant because of the earthquake and the darkness and everything. But there were many people died on crosses over that period of time. But no one was raised from the dead. So the resurrection set Jesus apart from everyone else that lived and had lived. And so the disciples, they just preached and focused on the resurrection so much because he was alive. It says in Acts 4.33, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. So as they focused on the resurrection, they just spoke about it all the time. And that miracle confronted people's mindsets, their religious beliefs, their philosophies, because they, they couldn't ignore it. It was so clear and so strong. As significant as the death of Christ was, the most compelling event was the resurrection. An event about which the disciples could not keep silent. Acts 23 verse 6, Paul said, I stand on trial today because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. That's why he was on trial. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So he's on trial and Paul gets a, a brainwave from the Holy Spirit says, if I just start speaking about the resurrection, this will sort a riot out here and we'll be able to sort some things out. So that's what he did. The resurrection was such a divisive issue that this huge strife erupted as soon as he started talking about the resurrected Jesus. I want to tell you it is very powerful. So let's not pull back from talking about that Jesus bodily rose from the dead and he is Lord. It is a powerful, powerful truth and it still gets people confused. Many people over the centuries have said that can't be true. Many of them have set out to disprove it. And I've read and heard the testimonies and stories of so many people that when they've set out to disprove it, nearly everyone becomes a believer by the end of the study. Because they see all the documentation, the, the historical documentation, all the transformation of people's lives. And let me tell you, the most powerful truth about the resurrection, the, the greatest testimony is changed lives that have met the living Christ. They can't dispute that, can't deny it. Acts 26, 8 says, Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? If he created this whole world, created humanity, why do we struggle with that? Acts 26, 22, But I have had God's help in, to this very day, and I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets 
and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. So Paul just preached it over and over again. The empty tomb, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is a miracle of God. Many have tried to prove it, explain it away, but there's more than enough evidence to prove the resurrection. And we've just watched the Alpha series, many of us, and Nicky Gumbel, he was an intellectual man, didn't believe it, and he was one of the ones who went through the study, and at the end he says, I can't ignore it, the evidence is so strong. There's more documentary evidence that Jesus lived and died and rose again than just about every other historical figure in history. If, you, if you're looking there and doubting me, do your own study and you'll be amazed what you will find. So what are the witnesses of the resurrection? Number one, it's the testimony of the Bible, first of all. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So throughout the Bible it pointed to and declared that Jesus would die on a cross and rise again. The testimony of the many eyewitnesses. 1 Corinthians 15.5 says, And then He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. So it wasn't just a few disciples that concocted the story and hoping that they, if they declared it long enough, everyone would believe it. There was over 500 people at once saw him, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And we just read he appeared to the women on the, the Sunday morning, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, to the seven disciples on that first night, and there were many other eyewitness accounts. In the court of law, you need at least two witnesses. We've got hundreds and hundreds of them to verify that Jesus rose from the dead. So if someone says, oh, it's just a myth or a fable, that's not true. This is the truth, that there are many witnesses, eyewitnesses, hundreds and hundreds of them, to the truth that Jesus physically rose from the dead. The third thing, the great testament that Jesus did rise, is the birth of the early church. Look at the change in the apostles. They'd been afraid, discouraged, hiding. Their dreams had been shattered. Judas had betrayed Jesus and then had committed suicide. Within months, these apostles were boldly preaching and seeing thousands of people converted. They saw Jesus suffer, die and rise again. And now opposition or persecution would not stop them. Now, if Jesus had risen from the dead, they'd still have been hiding. They were scared that they might have been arrested and killed. The fact they become so free and bold is a great testimony that Jesus truly did rise again. And I want to say, you can have that same resurrection life within you. That's what can give you courage and boldness. It's not an intellectual ascent. It's a knowing in your spirit. All the evidence backs it up. It's not just some fanciful idea or a personal dream. This is a, the whole evidence backs it up. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Woo! Impossible for death 
to hold the author of life in the grave. And that means that if we know this Jesus and he lives in us by his spirit, then we have eternal life. We have life and power today in every situation that we're in. Acts 3.15, Peter, who denied Jesus, hiding in the room, Jesus walks through the wall. That would have been a bit freaky, hey? He's now got his resurrected body that's not limited to physical circumstances. You could see and touch it, but it was now in a new a realm, which is what we will have when we get to heaven in our resurrected body. And it says... You killed the author of life. This is bold Peter now who only a few weeks before was denying that Jesus, he was a friend of Jesus. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Wow, this is bold Peter. Acts 4.10. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, that's not the way to make friends, whom you crucified, He hadn't read the book about making friends and influencing people. But you crucified, but when God raised him from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Wow. That's the evidence. The power of God, the miraculous. Because Jesus rose from the dead was a miracle, we need to keep believing for miracles. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Many miraculously. Some over a period of time. I want to say that God's power needs to be released more and more. I love that song. Do it again, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Do it again. God's power hasn't changed. It's sometimes our believing and our faith and making room for Him to move and change lives is the issue. And I believe God is truly reviving us and stirring us to believe again for a supernatural work of the Spirit of the living God. Without the resurrection, Christianity is not real and true. Everything stands or falls on the truth of Jesus' body resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, this is what the Apostle Paul said. The message we preach is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no such thing as a resurrection from the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing and your faith is useless. That's a scary thought. I've been preaching for 45 years. I hate the thought that that's all been vain and useless, but we know it's not. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. It gets scarier. And that would mean that we have preached a lie stating God raised him from the dead if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. I love the Apostle Paul. He tells it like it is, eh? It would also mean that from those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead 
as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. Wow, we need to reflect on some of these scriptures and truths, not just on Resurrection Sunday, but regularly. Also, the resurrection confirms Christ's deity, that he truly was God. Romans 1.4 And through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God, by his resurrection from de the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus did the miracles. We were studying Bible college the other day and there'd been hardly any miracles for hundreds of years. And when Jesus came and started doing miracles, that was a sign that he was the son of God. But the greatest sign was when he rose from the dead. <coughs> Clearly showed that he was the son of God. Romans 4.25, he was delivered over to death for our sins. <coughs> And was raised to life for our justification. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We often use this when we pray for people to come to Christ. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So to get saved you've got to believe that Jesus is alive now. Not just that he paid the price on the cross. But he rose again and he's alive. It says... For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So today, this is not a religious experience. I wrote that in the uh, newspaper this week. Uh, the Easter is not way, way more than a religious experience. It's a relationship with our awesome God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy, for He has given us new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Wow, so it gives us the certainty of eternal life because Jesus has risen again. Because Christ rose again, we have a sure and certain hope of eternal life and a resurrected immortal body like Christ. That's going to be cool when we get a resurrected body, hey? Wow. But we've got to wait till our journey on earth's over. But God gives us a foretaste of us by healing, by health, by strength, by miracles, by the transformation in our lives. He gives us a foretaste, the first fruits of what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Our bodies are incredible. They are just so amazing how they heal and you have a scar that heals. And it's just incredible how it happens. But how awesome is it to know that one day we're going to get our immortal body? John 11, 25, 26. I shared this before. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question we have today. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? <clears throat> And that word believe is not just a mental assent. Yeah, I agree with that. No, it's a heart knowing. It's an experiential understanding in your heart that has changed your life. That's what the true Bible believing is. It's not just, oh yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. 
It's way deeper than that. It's in your spirit, in your heart, as well as in your mind or your understanding. Jesus conquered death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. A believer does not have to fear death. This is really important. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, Our Savior Jesus Christ has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Because Jesus died, went down, took the keys of death and hell and rose again, you don't have to fear death. That when your journey on this earth is over, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can then go from this life to eternity with Jesus because he has paved the way. He has conquered death. Sure, there's some uncertainty of what it all means. There's emotions and feelings, but let me tell you, you don't have to fear death. People will fear death when they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I've sadly seen some terrified people in the last days of their life when they haven't known Jesus. Thankfully, Marilyn and I have had the privilege of leading quite a number of people to Jesus on their deathbeds. I've had the sad case of a few people who refused even as they were dying. My heart just broke. You feel like just shaking them and saying, come on. But we've also had the privilege of leading numbers of people to Jesus on their deathbeds. I led a guy to, to the Lord in a, a hospital in Mirabar about seven or eight years ago. Never met him. He didn't believe in Jesus. But one of the relatives believed in Jesus and rang me and says, can you go and pray for this relative? I think it was her uncle or something. So I show up at the, at the uh, hospital and he was, he'd been in a semi conscious for days, dying of cancer. Clearly his body was worn out. I walked into the room and he half sat up in bed and says, you're the one that they've sent, aren't you? And I looked at him and I'm thinking, well, this is going to be an interesting conversation. And we, we had the most amazing conversation for the next 30 minutes. And uh, he didn't know God, didn't really want to know God. But this one relative had been praying for him and, and asked me whether I could go. So I went, and he was blocking every attempt to share with him. And then, do you know what the crazy door to his heart was? I said, what do you do in your life? And he talked yourselves a dairy farmer. He says, so was I. And from then, he was my best mate. I thought, what? you never know what can connect you. Then he opened his heart, and we had this incredible conversation, and I actually led him to Jesus. And then he said, can you say a few words? I said, are you asking me to do your funeral? He said, yeah, that's right. So I ended up doing his funeral a few days. Because he died the next day. He was very close to death. His son and grandson are sitting at the bedside looking at me with eyes this big. They weren't Christians either. And afterwards, as we walked out the door, they said, that's amazing. He says, Dad hasn't said a word for days. He's been, he's been to almost totally unconscious in a coma. For 30 minutes, I had a full animated conversation because I spoke to his spirit, not just to his head. I realized I was speaking to a living spirit who wanted to get right with God. And it had been, yeah, it was an amazing story. And, uh, and he'd been to the Salvation Army as a kid a few times. So when I started sharing, all of a sudden stuff started to come back to him. And they were just totally stunned. So I ended up sharing, doing his funeral service. He was a well-known businessman in town, ended up doing his funeral service. There was about 100 people there, and I shared what happened on his deathbed. 
And it was so powerful. So all the people heard the story, said, you know, he wasn't real religious, but let me tell you what happened on his deathbed. So I shared the gospel with all the family. Why? Because Jesus was alive. And I thought, well, I I walked away from that so privileged. I thought, Lord, what what a privilege that was. 24 hours before he died and I think Lord you're amazing but why wait till the end of your life let's choose to follow him with all of our heart let's share Jesus wherever we can in this journey of life Revelation 1.18 Jesus said I am the living one I was dead and behold I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus holds the keys. He's got the keys for your life. He's got the keys for our nation and the world. But we've just got to choose to believe and accept and respond to that Jesus is all-powerful. So when you're overcome by fear or pain or depression or sickness, that's not the end of the story. Hold on to the life of Jesus. Let's wrap it up today. Three incredible results of resurrection power. Number one, healing and divine health in our bodies, which we shared before. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Resurrection life. And someone said, well, how come some people we pray for don't get healed? And I said, well... There's all sorts of reasons, but one of the ones I've discovered is that if everyone we prayed for got healed, no one would ever make it to heaven. They'd keep getting healed and living for hundreds of years, and no one would make it to heaven. So there is a time and a season when this life is over, and it's time to go home. But while there's life, I pray for God's health and strength and blessing in every possible way. Number two, there is power and strength to overcome in this life because of the resurrection of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 19, 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the incomparably great power to us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. A third thing that the resurrection power is, it gives you power to fulfill our calling and purpose in life. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sufferings yeah we don't like that part but it's there so there's resurrection power and suffering and that takes us on a journey of maturity and freedom in our life and the becoming like him in his death and to somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead (coughs) not that i've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but i press on to take hold of that for which christ jesus took hold of me Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which Christ has, God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
when you know his resurrection power and live in the reality of that, you will have courage and strength to fulfill your purpose, your destiny, your ministry, your calling in life, whatever it is, you can complete the race and finish it. So Jesus appeared to his disciples several times and he left him with a few important things to do. Number one, he said, believe I am risen from the dead as he walked into the room. They already struggled to believe that he had truly risen from the dead. Thomas had to put his finger into the nail points in his hand and the spear into the pierced hole in his side. Stop doubting and believe. But I love Thomas. He doubted, but he was honest with his doubts. He reached out in faith. And do you know Thomas went to India and preached the gospel for 20 years before he was martyred. And there are millions of Indians in the bottom four states that are believers now centuries i've been there i've been to the to the place where he got uh, killed in about 70 a.d he sailed across the oceans and he preached the gospel and there's many of the churches and christians there will talk about thomas and they can trace their lineage back to thomas i thought wow he's the one who doubted but when he was challenged he reached out and he needed to touch to see, to believe. So maybe you think, well, I'm not one of those that are easily convinced. That's okay. Just keep walking the journey. And when you are convinced, then do something with your life. I thought, wow, God, you're amazing. Jesus said, I'm sending you into the world to preach the gospel, make disciples go. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Stay in Jerusalem till you're clothed with power from on high were some of Jesus' last words. Jesus was amazing because he had his last words before he went to the cross. Then he rose again, so he had another bout of last words. <laughs> in, in Acts chapter 1, before he went to heaven, most of us only have one chance at last words. He had two. So you need to read through the last words of Jesus, John 13 to 17, and some of the last words at the Passover. Then the last words in the book of Acts are so powerful. Worship team, come on up. He said to believe these signs will follow those who believe. Peter was restored from his failure and denial of Jesus back to his purpose and calling to follow Jesus to feed his sheep. Wow. If he could restore Peter, who denied him three times, betrayed Jesus, he can restore any of us back to our full purpose. Not just to survive, but to thrive. And I feel today, God's calling some of you back to your main purpose in life. To be that loving husband and parent. To be that professional person that serves our community. To be that man and woman that steps up to serve God with the gift and callings on your life. Today, I believe the Spirit of God is calling some of you to step back into what I've called you to be. The resurrection proves that truth is stronger than lies. The resurrection proves that good is stronger than evil. The resurrection proves that love is stronger than hatred. The resurrection proves that life is stronger than death. Death can't contain life any more than darkness can contain light. Because the tomb is empty, your heart doesn't need to be empty. Jesus was the victor, not the victim. He is risen. Let's stand and give him praise today. Thank you for joining us. 
The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.